So today's daf is Yuma 24, Chaf Dalid, our sponsors for today. We have a Talmud Torah sponsors of Yonah and Shushi Ehrenfeld in loving memory and Zechra Nishmas, their grandfather Yosef and Shmuel Aronzal, and by Mark Karstadt in memory of his mother, Hannah Bas Shragaizal. We have a Daf Yomi sponsor for today of Ira and Miriam Grossman in memory of Ephraim Gordon Zal, who was tragically murdered Ford's Lane on Sunday night, an anti-Semitic incident. Um, and thank you for all our sponsors, and Hashem should protect us and keep us safe, and we should be able to yagdil to Rav Yadir. So we are starting on 23B, um, kind of near the middle of the page, or about 20 lines up, and if you find the Tosfos on the right side of 23B, the Tosfos Yilbosh, and you go a little bit to the left, then we're going to be picking up right about there. We're on the topic of Truma Sedeshin and Hotsa Sedeshin. This was the first avoda done in the morning in the temple, and this is where we started the parak off with the foot races. Remember, they were racing up the ramp to decide who would do Truma Sedeshin. Originally, they thought no one would want to do it. It's early in the morning. You're schlepping ashes around. So they didn't bother holding a lottery. And then they said, well, there's some Kohanim showing up. Let's have a foot race. You know, boys will be boys. Let's have a race and see who's going to make it. And they'll do Truma Sedeshin. Then we had an incident with, uh, yesterday we discussed there was, you know, Lo'aleinu, there was a, a tragic killing on the ramp of the Mizbeach during the race. Things got very heated. It was a very exciting race. And there was also, the mission brings a broken leg incident. The sages decided to institute a payasot, a, a lottery, a, a pur. Pur, Purim is, is a lottery also. So it was a pur, they, they would switch to that. But this avoda they were trying to do was the truma sedeshen and the, the, removing, the removing of ash from the Mizbeach. And we know, we discussed uh, that this is the first avoda of the day, but you're actually cleaning up from yesterday. And Rabbi Silver has spoken that you, it's really good to start each day on a clean slate, that you don't, you're not burdened by what happened yesterday. Today's a new day, and you can move on on a clean slate. That's one of the messages of Truma Sedeshin and Hotsa Sedeshin that we're discussing. Uh, we also, it's one of the reasons we wash our hands in the morning, because one of, one of the reasons given is we're a Bria Chadosha, we're a new creation. So we're something new, we should clean up, we're renewed, starting on a clean slate every morning. So that's one of the messages in Ashkafa of Truma Sedeshin. Now the Machlokis was, what, what, what does he wear? during Truma Sedeshin. What does he wear when he's schlepping ashes around? Um, and it comes out, we're just actually, we'll backtrack one line. Rabbi read this yesterday, but we're right next to this Tosos so Yilbash, Kedetanya, Kedetana Devei Rishmael. There's a teaching from Devei Rishmael. Kedetana Devei Rishmael, Begodim Shebishel Behen Kedera, Rabbi, what you cooked for your master in, Lo Yimzog Behen Kos, Rabbi. You shouldn't pour, you shouldn't be the butler, and you shouldn't pour his wine. Mizigas Kos, of course, they mixed wine with water, they had very strong wine. But whatever you cooked in, it has smoke, and it has stains, and it has food, it has schmutz. You shouldn't also be the butler and go to the dining room table and pour wine for the guests in the same clothing. So to the Shuma Sedeshin was done in, we're going to see exactly what kind of clothing, but not necessarily the same clothing a would normally wear. Good. Amoresh Lakish, Kimachlokit Bethotza, Kachmachlokit Beharama. So this Machlokit we're talking about is at the end of yesterday, we talked about Rabbi Eliezer, said it's not really... In avoda, that this this hotzas adeshin is not a true avoda, and the this other sages said yes, it's a true avoda. So he says, Rishulka says this also applies to the truma. Now the truma was they went up and they removed some of the ash from mizbeach and they put it in the makam adeshin in the ash depository, and then when that got a little big, they would hotzas adeshin. They would take that out of the temple to the place where they took the ashes. It's really a two-step process: the harama or the truma truma adeshin and the Hotsa Sedeshin, the removing it from the temple entirely. So he says, just like the Hotsa, the second stage of the process, there's a Machlokis, or Bilesa is not a real avoda, 
uh, and it could be done even by a Kohen Baal Mum. It's not 100% a voter that needs a Kohen who's completely, uh, has no Mum and is completely fitting. So to the Truma Sedeshin, he would allow that also. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Machlokis Behotzah. Only Behotzah Sedeshin, Rabbi Leazar allows a Kohen Baal Mum. Aval Beharama, Harama's Truma Sedeshin, Divrikol Avodahi. That's a real Avoda, and a Kohen Baal Mum need not apply. Does anyone remember what the Kohanim who are Baal Mum did in the, in the temple? Worms, worms. They did worms. Exactly, yeah, firewood, firewood. Remember, in Shkalim, there was this famous story. There was a Kohen, Balmu was deworming the wood, and he said, hey, that tile looks strange there. Anyone know why? And then he died. Yeah, the Aron. Yeah, apparently, that was the way to get to the Aron somehow, and that was uh, in the, in the Lishkasa 8 team, and one of the Kohen Balmu discovered it and was struck dead before he could tell anyone where that tile was. So soon, soon. We're going to get the temple back soon, and we're going to have the Aron soon, soon. No worries. So that was the Kohanim Balmu could also do, according to Abelazar, the Hotsa uh, Sedeshin, at least, and according to Reish Lakish, also the Chuma Sedeshin. So, difficult Avodahi, my time of the Reish Lakish. Why does Reish Lakish say that Chuma Sedeshin is not a full fledged Avoda, just like Hotsa Sedeshin? Amar Lecha, he's going to tell you, if you would have thought Avodahi, it's a true full fledged Avoda. Yesh Lecha Avoda, Shakasher Bishnei Kalim? Is there ever an Avoda which is kosher with only two of the four? Uh, articles of clothing. So what's going on is the Pasuk, we're going to see the Pasuk in depth, but the Pasuk mentions his Midah, which is his Kisonis, his tunic, and his Michnasayim. So the Pashtus of the Pasuk, and we're going to get into it, is that he was only wearing his shirt and his pants when he was doing Trumas Adeshin and not all four Kalims. He's going to tell me, Rish Lakish says, you tell me there's an Avoda that's a real Avoda, but it only needs half of the clothing? That can't be a real Avoda. Abi Yochanan, how does he say? He says, the Torah explicitly tells us about the ketonet, the tunic or shirt, and the michnasayim, the pants. But of course, he's wearing his hat and his belt. If you're going to wear two of the big day kahuna, you're going to be wearing four of them. You're not gonna, never going to have a time where you're only wearing half of the clothing of the, Kohen, of the Kohen. He's also going to put on the hat and the belt. Maishnahani. So what is different about these two items, the tunic and the pants, that they are listed in the Pasuk, and the other two are not listed? It doesn't say he puts on his tunic and his pants and his, and his belt and his hat. It only says the tunic and the pants. Midovod. So it's a drasha. We need them for a drasha. Midovod. Mido kemidato. That his mido, his uh, shirt, or his, his tunic, has to be in his measurement, has to be fitting him. He can't wear a shirt that's too big or too small. Um, and the pants of linen, like the Brisa teaches, how do we know Cohen does not put on any articles of clothing before the pants? The pants of uh, linen he will wear on his skin. So he doesn't wear anything else until he puts his pants on first. So, so that's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. He's saying those two words are needed for a drasha, but just the fact that you have the tunic and the pants listed in the Pasuk, that doesn't mean he's only wearing his tunic and his pants or Bosai. Rabbi Yochanan's going to tell you he's wearing all four of the regular begadim that a kohen would wear when he's doing his Trumas Adeshin. Reish Lakish, who says, no, he's Dafka wearing two things, so what does he do? Where does he get these drashot about the clothing of the kohen? Mido kemidato. So he says, mido kemidato, that his mida, his tunic, his uh, suit coat has to be in the right Measurement. That's why the Torah calls it Lashon Mido. Rashi points out it should have said Ketonis. We all know what a Ketonis is. Mido means his measure, like we have Midos. We have a Maseches Midos, 
with the measurements of the temple, and we have um, we we have midos in general that we we understand that are the measurements of a man as how he acts, his hashkafas achayim, his motivations. That that's something we always work on is having having good midos in general, but midot. It means his measure. So should have said ketonis, according to Rish Lakesh. So it means really he's just where it's just referring to the shirt here. Um, but mido is to teach me out that it's kimidaso. It's it's fitting him. We, we all know that you know wear, wearing a suit looks great, but if the suit doesn't fit, it's you know you should have just stuck to the polo shirt. You know that's that's how it is. So mido kimidaso mido shelo How does Rish Lakesh know you don't put anything on before the pants? May al besaro nafka. So it mentions the pants, but also says that they go directly onto his flesh, directly onto his body without anything else, uh, nafka. So Rash Lakish says, when it says the pants and the shirt, the ketonis and the mechnesayim, it's nafka, he's wearing those two with trimas adeshen and not the hat and the belt as well. So let's say this machlokis, Rabbi Yochanan Rash Lakish, is also machlokis tanaim that we had learned out. All besaro, this is going to sound familiar because we learned this on dafya base. Albisaro on his flesh, Maltamad Lomar Yilbosh. So it already says he puts it on his flesh. Why does it also say Yilbosh? Rahavi Mitznefit Avnet. So this extra Yilbosh includes the Mitznefit and the Avnet, the hat and the belt. And the Pusik here is I have the Pusik inside, I'll read Vilavash a Kohen Midovad Mechnasevad. So and he wears the Cohen wears his midovad, which is his ketones, which is the right size, and michnesevad, and his linen pants. Yilbash al besaro. He wears. You have lavash and v'yilbash. You have it twice, like we said back on Dafya base. You have it twice. The hairy mesedeshin. So you have two words of uh, wearing. So it's not just the tunic and the pants, but it's also going to be his hat and his belt. Yilbash lahavi mitznevet ve'avne laharama for true mesedeshin. Divri Rabbi Yehuda. That's what Rabbi Yehuda says. Rabbi Dosa Omer, Lerabus Big Day Kohen Gadol, B'yom Kippur, and he says this extra Yilbash actually refers to the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol, Shekisherim Lekohen Hediot, that you could recycle them and use them for a Kohen Hediot on other days of the year, because he held, Rabbi Dosa held, that the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol were identical, the, the white linen Begadim, not the eight Begadim with the gold and the, and the tzitz and everything, but the four Begadim that were special for Yom Kippur, Rabbi Dosa held were identical to the normal begadim of a Kohen Hediot. And they could be recycled for the rest of the year, uh, for a Kohen Hediot only. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says, He says, I have two refutations to Rabbi Dosa. Uh, he says, first of all, the belts were not the same. He says, uh, over there, there's on Yud base, but it seems that the belt of the Kohen Gadol was definitely pure linen. There's a machlokis about the belt of the Kohen Hediot, that one opinion says it was all linen, and the other one says it was shotness. It was mamash, it was wool and linen they were wearing to do the avoda all year for the, for the Kohen Hediot. So that's what the Rebbe says, it wasn't the same belt. Fa'od also, begadim shenishtamshta behen kedusha chamorah, these begadim that the Kohen Gadol wore, lifnai v'lifnim, and the kaidish kedoshim, he wore these these four white garments, these four linen garments. We're going to have a lot more about that in, in Yuma later on. He should wear Tishtamesh, Behen, Kedushakala. A regular Kohen should wear them just to take out Trimus and just to do an everyday avoda. So it's, it's, we have a concept, Malin Bekodesh, for the Meridian. So you can't, you can't de, uh, degrade these special Begodim. Elamatum Lova Yilbash, so he says, What does Yilbash mean? Turning over to the top of 24a, the Rabot et the Shechakim. This includes even worn out. Garments, like Rabbi Silver said yesterday, that they would wear pachutim, pachutim, uh, 
lesser garments. When they did when you're working with ashes, they would wear not the brand new Kohanic vestments, but slightly worn out ones. Rashi points out here on top, as long as they're not ripped. So they could be a little bit worn out, a little bit old, but as long as they're not ripped, it would be okay. It seems even that bloodstains were okay. We, we don't say that they washed off the bloodstains. They were kind of proud of that uh, in, the, in the temple, so a beautiful thing. But even worn out ones were okay. Thank you, Moshe and Moshe. And he leaves them there. This is talking about the Bagadim of the Kohen Godel. So they need to be gones. We actually bury them. To his opinion, he says you could recycle them for Kohen for the rest of the year because he held the belts were identical from the Kohen Godel and Yom Kippur's white vestments to the Kohen Hediot the rest of the year. And you couldn't use them for the next Yom Kippur. So even according to Rabbi Dosa, you could recycle big day Kohen Gadol, the white vestments from Yom Kippur. It was only for one Yom Kippur. And then a Kohen Hedio could use it the rest of the year, but you could not use it again the next Yom Kippur. You had to make a new set every year. We're actually going to see that later on in the Gemara. Not today, but later. Isn't this the same Machlokis, Reish Lokish Rabbi Yochanan, that we started talking about is the Shuma Sedeshin a real avoda with four begadim, or is it a quasi avoda with only two begadim? At Demar Savar Avodahi, that uh, Rabbi Huda says, listen, you need all four begadim, and this extra yilbosh includes the hat and the belt as well, not just the tunic and the pants. Mar Savar and Rabbi Dosa says, Lavavodahi. Rabbi Dosa says, no, that yilbosh is for the, the ability to recycle the big day Kohen Gadol, the white vestments that could be used by a Kohen Hedyot. Uh, so that's the same Rechlug as he would hold like Reish Lakish, that it's not, not a full-fledged avoda, only needs two garments low. The Gemara says, no, the Kule Alma avodahi. Both Rabbi Dosa and Rabbi Huda agree that the Truma Sedeshin is a full-fledged Mamish and avoda, and they would agree with Rabbi Yochanan that it needs all four Begadim of the Kohen. So here's what they're disagreeing with between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Dose. One says we need the pasuk, we need extra yilbash. Rabbi Yehuda says we need yilbash to include all four begadim for Trumas edition. Marsavar Lodzricha. He says Rabbi Dose says it's obvious if you're wearing your pants and your shirt, the Torah doesn't have to tell you to also put on your belt and your hat. Lodzricha Kral Rabbi says it's obvious you don't need the pasuk to include all four vestments. But both Rabbi Dosa and Rabbi Huda could hold that the true possession is a full-fledged avoda, like Rabbi Yochanan does. Good. So by Rabbi Avin, true possession bekama. Rabbi Avin asks a great question: How much is a true possession? How much is that? So we got we got to check it out. We got to find out how much are the required to take off ashes from the mitbeach from yesterday's avoda and take them out to the storage place, and then later they would remove them from the temple entirely. So let's learn Mitrumas Meiser. Why don't we leave Trumas Meiser Yofinan? So Mitrumas Meiser Yofinan and Rashi says Daha Herim Kasiv. So by Trumas Meiser it says Herim. Lashon Baharemotem Mimenu. So that, that's in the Rashi. Uh Meiser Yofinan law. We could learn it from Meiser, which is ten percent. Trumas Meiser ten percent. Oh Mitrumas Midian Yofinan. We could learn it from Trumas Midian. And Rashi points out too, by Trumas Midian, Dichsiv Baharemota Mechem Lashem. That's actually interesting. I pulled out a Chumash, and it's not so simple by the war with Midian. Remember, the war with Midian was a war of divine revenge, and we sent over exactly 12,000 soldiers, one from each Shevet, and not one of them died in the battle. It was Mamish, and the soldiers knew it. And this is an amazing thing. 
And the Pasuk says, in Matot, v'harimota mechem, meches, sorry, v'harimota meches, you will raise up a tax, l'ashem, to Hashem, me'et anshe milchama, from the men of war, hayotzim l'tzava, who went out to the army, echad nefesh, mechamesh hameot, one five hundredth, min adam, min abakar, min achamuri, min This was not one tenth, it was one out of five hundred. But there's more. Machatzitam tikachu v'natana the Elazarko and trumat Hashem. Machatzit bnei Yisrael tikach echad achuz min achamishi min adam min abakar min achamurim. So it's actually it's a very strange thing. What happened was when the soldiers brought back the booty from Midian to camp, they took the soldiers took half, and then the other half they gave to all of Klal Yisrael. So they split it half and half, which is an amazing thing. And then the command from Hashem to Moshe is the soldiers should take one in 500 of everything, from the people, from the cattle, from the donkeys, from everything they won, and give it to Elazar and give it to the Kohanim. And for the other half, the half that was given to the non-soldiers, the rest of the camp, they took one in 50. So it's a, it's a really strange thing. That normally a truma, we saw a truma could be 10%, and now we're seeing it could be one in 500, or maybe one in 50. But the truma of the soldiers is one in 500, and it's sort of a strange number. I don't know why Hashem picked one in 500. One in 50, I would understand, because there were 12,000 soldiers and 600,000 odd Jews. So that's one in 50. The soldiers maybe thought they were representing the Jewish people. Every soldier represents 50 men back in the camp. But the one in 500, okay, that's, that's our homework. So if someone, someone please figure that out. Look at the sources. Please get back to me, because the one in 500 is a little strange. But that's a possibility Rabbi Avin raises. Are we going to learn from Trumas Meister 10% or Trumas Midian, where the soldiers gave one in 500 of everything they won? Tashima, uh, so let's come and learn out. So he resolves it. It says here, It says here, I'm going to let you know where that is in a second. This is talking about a mincha. So this Veheirim is by a mincha, and he's comparing, Rabbi Chia is comparing it to this Pasuk. Uh, which is in Vayikra Perek Vah. He lifts up from it Bikumso in his comets. Misola Tamincha, from the fine flower of the Mincha, Mishamna, and from its oil, Vetkol Lehalovuna, and all of the frankincense that was on top of the Mincha, Asher Ala Mincha, Vehiktir Hamizbeach, Reach Nuchach Asquata, Lashem. So when he does the Kamitza of the Mincha, now Kamitza is one of these funny words, it's hard to translate. So we're going to show you. This is a kamitza, like this. He sticks his hand like this into the mincha. Zhoop, it comes out like this. So this amount, under my three fingers, that's a kometz. And of course, kometzo means his kometz, because it varies by kohen. Some of the kohanim, they're the big basketball player kind of guys, and they've got really big fingers. They can get a lot under that kometz. When they had to do an exact kometz, they would lift it up like this, and they would use their thumb and their pinky actually to scrape off the sides so they only got exactly what was under the three fingers. But kumtso is a very small amount. It's not even a handful, half a handful. It's a, it's a komitz, that's what, it's a kumtso. It's like a scoop out. So by the mincha, they would scoop out the fine flour and some of the oil and all of the frankincense, and that's what would be burned on the mizbeach, and the rest would be made into bread and eaten by the kohanim. But uh, here, he's saying you only need a kometz. We're learning out from the mincha to the truma sedeshen, you only need a kometz. Rashi here points out that that's a minimum. Uh, says Rashi. So he says, if you want to take more, you can take more. But as long as you're taking off at least a kometz of the, of the ashes, now probably he would use a kli to remove them because there might be some fiery charcoal and embers in there. But as long as you're taking off at least a kometz, his kometz, then it's enough of a trumas hadeshin. So as long as you're 
moving on from the past to some extent. You're dealing with the past. You're, you're putting it away. You're, you're accomplishing something, and you're moving forward. But it's interesting. So I think the comparison Rabbi Chia makes is because the mincha was also done in the temple, whereas the trumas meiser and the midian obviously were not so shy to the temple, but the kumits of the mincha was. So he says that's the best comparison. So the minimum amount for trumas addition is just a kumitz, just the kumtso. That's all. Good. Amarav arba avodos. There are four services in the temple. Zar chayev alehen mita, where a non kohen who performs them is nebuch chayev misa bideshemayim. What are they? Zrika which is um, spritzing the dam, throwing the dam on the Mizbech, Haktara, burning the incense, Nisuch pouring the water onto the Mizbech, Nisuch pouring wine onto the Mizbech. Anyone know when they poured water? Sukkot, beautiful. Anyone know when they poured wine? Every day. So you see from here at Bosai, wine every day. A-okay, that's pretty good. Levi Amar, Af Trumas Adeshen. Levi includes our famous Trumas Adeshen. He says, Azaru does a Trumas Adeshen, is Chayiv Misa. It's a real full-fledged avoda. Vekentani Levi bimas nisei. And so too taught Levi in his Mishnah. Af Trumas Hadeshin. He says, even Trumas Hadeshin, a czar is Chayiv Misa for this. My time at the Rav, what is Rav's reasoning that he doesn't include Trumas Hadeshin? Dichsiv, ve'ata uvanecha, itacha. So this is a command to Aharon. You and your sons with you, tishmeret kunatchem. Guard your kahunaness, your kahuna charge. The cold devar mizbeach for anything mizbeach related, or mibet lafarochet anything inside the curtains, veavadtem avodat matana, and you will do the work of matana. Now matana could mean a gift, or it could mean giving or application. We're going to see that's how Rav learns it. Eten et kunatchem, I give to you the kehunanis, the hazar krev yumat, and a czar who approaches to do these things will die. So Rav is learning out from this Pesach, we're going to see that there are a lot of requirements for an avoda to actually be chayiv misa if a czar does it. So how does he learn this out? Avodas matana, below avodat siluk. So avodas matana, matana could mean a gift given to the Kohen, but here it means application. So applying blood or wine or water or incense or fire, that's what's going to be avodat matana, which could be chayiv azar. For, uh, for doing this avoda. Well, avoda siluk. Siluk is removing. We have a famous phrase in the Gemara. E salka daitach. E salka daitach. Salka is the same lashon, same shor, siluk. If your mind would take out. E salka daitach. If your mind would take out from here. So maybe you learn it a different way. So then e salka daitach is used to contrast. Maybe you shouldn't learn out from there. You should learn something else in there. But siluk is removal. Matana giving, applying siluk removal. Avadtem. Avadtem, avodatama. So avadtem, you could read avadtam. And tam means perfect, like we say Torah is sam tam, is a perfect remedy to all that ails you. Avatam, avodatama, a pure avoda, like the final avoda. Velo avoda, shiesh achreich avoda, and not an avoda that has another avoda after it. Velevi, sorry, avoda shiesh achreich avoda. Velevi, rabbi rachmana, lekoldav armizbeach. Slavi says, it says, kol devar mizbeach, that's anything on the mizbeach. That would include even truma sedeshen, hotza sedeshen. Verav, hahu lesui, sheva hazal shabifnim. Rav says, this anything on the mizbeach, kol devar mizbeach, this includes the seven sprinklings that are inside, that are inside, that these are done on Yom Kippur, the chataut pnimiot. We're going to learn a lot about these, but the par in certain karbanot, the blood was applied inside the temple building, not just outside on the big mizbeach. Of Metzora and the sprinklings on the Metzora. Levi and Afkale made Davar called Davar. 
And Levi learns those out from, it doesn't just say Devar, it says Kol Devar, so those seven sprinklings inside the temple building and for the Mitzorah, that's learned out there. Rav Devar Kol Devar, Lo Darish. But Rav, he says, I know he doesn't learn extra from Kol Devar, so he needs these Kol Devar Mizbeach to learn the seven sprinklings inside and the ones for the Mitzorah. Do we know, know where they sprinkled those seven sprinklings inside? Some mumblings and rumblings. So it's not so clear, but it seems it was on the Parochis. It seems it was on the Parochis. And there's an amazing story. And since we're not even a week out of Lagba Omar, I'm going to tell you this amazing story. And this is amazing. It's a true story, Rabbi I know it's true because it's in the Gemara on Me'ila Dav 17b. And in this true story, Bar Yochai goes to Rome. So this is, it, I think it's a kid's book, right? Bar Yochai goes to Rome. It sounds like it should be a kid's book. But it's actually a little bit, it's a little bit troubling because the Romans... Uh, because they're Romans, they made a gezerah against the Jewish people, a horrible gezerah, and no one could get it. You know, we tried bribery, we tried political connections, we tried everything, couldn't get it annulled. Bar Yochai says, I'm going to go to Rome, I'm going to fix it. So Bar Yochai goes to Rome, and on the way, a demon comes out to meet Bar Yochai, and the demon says, I'm going to go possess the daughter of the Caesar, and then you'll be able to... to Remove me from the daughter of Caesar when you get there. So they get there, and the Caesar is bereft. His daughter is crazy. You know, she was probably fiddling and burning Rome. Who knows what she was doing? Um, but uh, so Bar Yochai knows the true name of the demon and is able to expunge the demon from Caesar. And Caesar says, wonderful. You can have anything you want from my treasury. Bar Yochai goes in there, finds the Gezerah, the scroll of the Gezerah, zhup, rips it up. No more Gezerah. But while they're in there, uh, Bar Yochai and the, and the rabbi with him, they say, oh, they saw the Prochus. Was there in Rome. This was after the Chorban. Bar Yochai lived after the Chorban, Babais. They said the Parochus was in the treasury in Rome and it was covered with spritzed blood. There's Me'ila 17b. Can't make this up on both sides. The climax of the story is Bar Yochai, after he says, Nebuch for us. He says, What do you mean, Nebuch? He says, Nebuch for us that we had to be saved by a demon. You know, Hagar, Hagar, the Mitzri, the wife of uh, the Pelegish of Avraham, was saved by an angel. You know, saved by an angel. We, just, we just get a demon. He says, he says uh, I understand Bar Yochai was a little, a little humble there. It's interesting, the Romans, it's interesting, we, we said this Harama was Harama 10% or 2% or 1 in 500. There's a word in English which actually has an interesting connotation, and the word is decimate. Anyone know what decimate means? Destroy, destroy. But decimal is 10th, is right? destroy to a tenth, literally. So it's a Roman word. The Romans invented decimate. I'm just, I want to give you an idea of who the Romans were. So this, this has tachlis. When the, Roma, the Romans usually won wars. The Romans were terrible, bloodthirsty uh, conquerors. They usually won a war. What happens when the Romans lost a battle? So if there was any cowardice by the Roman troops, then they would get an order to decimate. Now decimate means that every platoon of 10 Roman soldiers would draw lots, like our Kohan, deal, like our Kohanim in the base of Mikdash, they would draw lots, and those 10 men of that platoon would kill one of their own members by beating him to death with their bare hands. And that would teach the Roman soldiers not to be so cowardly next time and go and win the battle and be more bloodthirsty and more aggressive. So that's the word decimate. We think it means totally wipe out or destroy. It literally means one out of 10. And it has such a horrible connotation in English because the Romans were doing this horrible thing to themselves. So you understand, Rabosai, if the Romans would, without any compunction, murder their own soldiers, kill, they have no mercy for themselves, call the Homer, they had no mercy on Jews. Now we understand why Bar Yochai went to go hide in a cave when the Romans had it in for him because the Romans were 
uh, nasty people. And we understand that in modern culture, they say, oh, the Romans, antiquities, the Romans and the Greeks, wonderful, wonderful. But the, the, the Talmud contains you know, a real, a true depiction of the Romans and the Greeks. They were, you know, they had culture, Baruch Hashem, they had literature, Baruch Hashem, but they were also could be very bloodthirsty. And that, that word in English, decimate, reminds us of the atrocities of the Romans and, and how they treated themselves, called the Homer, how they treated us and our, our forefathers. And we understand why a Jew would, uh, Bar Yochai or any Jew, would want to run away from, from the Romans. Anyway, oh good, so we've gone on a tangent within a tangent, but that was the parochis where they did the seven hazaut shebifnim, and a machlokis, if uh, kol devar mizbeach is learned out to those sheva hazaus, would only be allowed by a Kohen, and a czar who went in and did those would be chayav misa or not. Good. Ve'ema the kol devar mizbeach klal. Why don't we say that kol devar mizbeach is a klal? Anything mizbeach related, ve'avodat matana prat, and avodat matana, a service involving application, is a specific, a prat, klal prat, and now we have a klal and a prat together. So the klal should only include what's in the prat, which is avodat matana, an avoda, which is an application. Avodat matana in, avodat silik lo. So it should only be an application and not like a truma sedeshen or hitzah sedeshen. So Rav should be right. Avodat silik lo. Amar kra, turning over to Ahmed base. Ulim mibet la parochet. But the pasuk also includes mibet la parochet inside of the curtains. Ve'avatam. And you did... So it should be include only mibeit leprochet, which would not include the mizbeach outside, which would not include shemas adeshin. Vevatem el mibeit leprochet who de avoda matana. So when you do an avoda, which is which is inside the curtains, mibeit leprochet, mibeit bait is a house, mibeit leprochet inside of the curtains, who de avoda matana. That's when you need an avoda matana for a zari non kohen to be chayav misa v'lo avoda tziluk, and it and not an avoda tziluk, not an avoda of removal. But outside, in the courtyard of the temple, where the Mizbeach is, where the Truma Sedeshin would take place, even a Vodat Silak. We see it could be like Levi, that even a Voda of removing, removing the ashes, a Zar could be Chayav Misa. If that's so, Avatem Nami Elmi Beit Laparochetu. So if you're going to say, tell me, Mibes Laparochet applies to the entire Pasuk that we're learning out when a Zar is Chayav Misa, Zakrav Yumat. Then we would say that so too in avoda tama is only required inside, but outside even an avoda that has an avoda after it, even a preparatory stage of the avoda, a czar should be chayav misa. We see according to Rav that's not so. Rav says only avadat avoda tama, avad tama, avoda tama, a final stage of avoda. That's when a czar is chayav misa. Chabachutz afila avoda avoda. That would be chayav misa. If you're going to learn this, mibet laparochet applies modifier applies to the entire pasuk. Vadam hader arve. So no, va'avadtam hader arve. At the end of the pasuk, avadtam or vadtem is actually how it's spelled. Hadir, uh, it goes back ve'arve kra, and it mixes the pasuk together. That avodatama applies anywhere, not just inside mibit laprochet inside the temple, but also outside in the courtyard on the mizbeach. Bai Rava Rave asked, avodat siluk beheichol mahu. What about in the heichol? Now we said mibit laprochet is inside the curtain, but where was the curtain? It was between the kodesh and the kodesh kodeshim. So this Beit Laparochet means Mamish, the inner sanctum or Bosai. So that's when this, that would apply, this modifier Beit Laparochet. And we learned that outside might be different. By the, the courtyard of Mizrach would be different. But Heichal is in the middle. It's not the inner sanctum and it's not outside in the courtyard. So what about the Heichal? Heichal Mahu, 
Do we compare it to inside, to the inner sanctum, as the Pesach calls it? Or do you compare it to outside, by the big Mizbech? So Rava answers his own question. Always good if you can to look in the sources, answer your own questions. Rava did. So it doesn't just say, it says, which would include the Heichel. So, but from here, Zar should see there at the Shulchan Lechayev, a Zar who went in and put bread on the table. We, remember, we just talked about this uh, within the past week about putting the bread on the table, and there were 12 loaves, and remember there was a discussion how many the Kohen Gadol could get. Could would he, would he always get six, which was half, because the Puzzle says half for Aaron, half for Banav. Sometimes he would get five, sometimes he'd get four, depending if other Mishmar of Kohen was staying over and they needed two extra breads. So there was a whole discussion about that. But remember that when they set the table with 12 breads, they took it off every Shabbat and put on new breads. And then on Shabbat, they ate the breads. But a czar, if you're going to tell me that a heichal is like, is like inside the curtains, so a czar who set the table would be Chayev Misa, who put the bread on the table. So no, not necessarily. If you put the bread on the table, it's not the final stage of the Voda because there's Sidr Bazichin. Because we put these Bazichin, these, these cups, uh, of this, this spice onto the table as well. So if Zar did that, he should be chayev. So there is the removal, the haktara. They would remove the vazichin and then burn them on the mizbech. So, so then he'd be chayev of that. Zar should see there at the So, so ah, sorry, sorry. So haktara, he would be chayev. So Zar who does haktara, who burns these vazichin or burns the katoras, he would be chayev. Zar can't do a haktara. So then they ask amazing questions. Zar says, Sidur at the menorah lechayev. So Zar who sets up the menorah should be chayev. Rashi here says they would take the cups out of the menorah every morning, clean out the cups from the oil residue, and put in new oil, new wicks, things like this. That every, every morning they'd have to reset the menorah, like some of us do for Hanukkah. Uh, petila. So, but there is the putting in the wick after that. So just cleaning out the cups, as Rashi describes it, the Sidur menorah, setting up the menorah, is not chayev because you have to, still have to put the wicks in. If a czar, a non-Kohen, puts in the wicks, he should be chayev. So he still has to put in the oil. So we see they put the wicks in before the oil. So he puts in the shemen, he should be chayev. There's still the lighting. So a czar who lights the menorah should be chayev. Hadlaka is not in avoda. That sounds strange. It sounds a little strange. Hadlaka is not in Avoda, Vatanya, but there's a Brisa which we learn out, it's Mashma that it is. Venatnu Bnei Aharona Kohen, Eish Alamizbech, and the sons of Aharona Kohen, that sounds like Kohanim to me, Rabbi they're going to put fire on the Mizbech, the Archu Eitzim al and they're going to arrange the logs, the wood, onto the fire. This Limeh, this teaches us Al Hatsatat Alita, that even on igniting kindling, Alita, Rashi says it could be even splinters, little kindling that they would use to start up the fire or move from one pyre to another, move the flames. Shalotahe elabiko and kosher. So it has to be Aaron and Banov are the ones who light up the fire. So even just igniting the fire, even just igniting a little splinter, has to be Aaron and Banov. Kosher ubeklisharet. And they have to be wearing their big day kahuna. When you light up the barbecue, light up the fire in the morning, he's got to be in his big day kahuna already. Hatsata delita avodahi. So the Gemara makes a chiluk. Hatsata delita, lighting up the splinters and the kindling to start the whole pyre on top of the mizbech, that's an avoda. That needs big day kahuna. That needs mamish kohanim. Hadlaka lava avodahi. But simply lighting the wicks of the menorah is not an avoda. This is a very strange thing. And, and it has a lot of ramifications. There's an amazing Rambam. And the Rambam 
Poskins. I have him in my, I don't have the Rambam in my phone, but I do have Sfaria in my phone. So the Rambam Poskins, he, he talks about Shechita. Remember, Shechita Kashera Bazaar. Everyone agrees. Um, actually, not everyone agrees. There was a whole Machlokis um, by Shmuel Hanavi, if he could, if Shechita Kashera Bazaar. That's a whole other story. So that's a, that's a tangent for another time. But after Shmuel Hanavi, uh, everyone agreed. And Elia Cohen disagreed, but after that, everyone agreed that Shechita Kashera Bazaar. And then Rambam talks about that, and then he says, V'ken hadlaka tanerot, Kashera Bazarim. It says, a non-Kohen could light the menorah. V'fichach im heiti v'Kohen et nerot. Therefore, if the Kohen prepared the nerot, remember we talked about hatava nerot, preparing the cups and the wicks and the oil, et nerot v'hotzal nechutz, and brought the menorah outside, mutar lazar l'hadlikon. A non-Kohen could light the menorah. This is an amazing Rambam. The Ravid and the Kesev Mishnah scream about that. Not literally scream, but they write very strongly about this. They say this is ridiculous because what it sounds like is there are some avodot where a, czar, a non-Kohen is chayiv mita, but even ones where he's not chayiv mita, he shouldn't be doing them. Okay, shechita is different. Shechita a non-Kohen can do. But could he do holacha? Could, could a non-Kohen schlep the blood from the makam shechita to the mizbeach? Okay, we understand the czar has to throw the blood, but maybe holacha he could do. It sounds very strange. So the Ravid writes that every time it says, you know, that the czar is not high of misa, it doesn't mean he's allowed to do it. He's not supposed to do it. A Kohen's supposed to do it. It's just he's not high of misa bidei shemayim if a czar does it. So the Ravid takes him to task. It's, it's very not pushy, but really I think... We're going to find out when we have the, the Bayashlishi. When we have, when we have the temple back, we're going to find out. Because if we paskin like the Rambam, it's a tremendous, tremendous fundraising opportunity. Can you imagine? Because if you're auctioning off Hadlakas Neros of the menorah, if only Kohanim can bid, okay, we understand, it might be 50,000, 60,000, 100,000. If anyone could bid on Hadlakas Neros, even a Yisrael, yeah, a million, a billion, I mean, how much to light the menorah in the temple? How much would someone bid? It's an amazing thing. So it's a tremendous, according to the Rambam, a tremendous fundraising opportunity. The Minchas Chinuch writes about this. He says, I, I, he has a kash about this. He says, maybe they would use a long wick because we never find the menorah was taken out. We do find the shulchan was taken out. Remember, they would take out the shulchan. Why? Mikvah. Yeah? Mikvah. The mikvah. Yes, they would take it out to the mikvah if it got tame. And then they asked the question, why would it get tame? Because they pulled it out to show everybody. What were they showing them? The bread. They're showing the bread was still hot. The bread was still fresh and hot. Every week, they would show them the miracle. They show them on Yantav. They show them on the Regolian. They show them this miracle. Hashem loves you so much, He keeps your bread fresh, which is showing us that Hashem is taking care of our parnasa. Every single day, even if, we, even if we're working on a salary, even if we're you know, retired and we have a pension, we might think our, our parnasa is taken care of for the most part. But no, every single day, Hashem is keeping our parnasa fresh. Hashem keeps us in mind. As we say in davening pretty soon. So Hashem keeps his mind every day. That's the, the, the lesson of the shulchan, that the bread was fresh. So the shulchan we saw could be taken out, but the menorah we never seen taken out. So the menorah says maybe a long wick, I don't know, maybe a long uh, match. It sounds strange, but the, the Rambam writes, if they did take the menorah out, maybe they shouldn't, but if they did, then a czar, a non-Kohen, could light the menorah, which again, could be a tremendous fundraising opportunity for the temple soon, coming soon. Good, anyway... So Hadlaka Lava Vodahi, that was their conclusion. Elameata Zar Sasidar Amaracha Lachayev. So you're talking about comparing the Hadlakas Neros to the arranging wood in the Mizbeach. So a non Kohen who arranged the wood should be Chayev Misa. Ikasidar Shnei Gezeri Etzim. Even after you arrange the firewood, there's the two special logs of a special size they always put on the, the Mizbeach. Sidar Shnei Gezeri and the Chayev. 
So if he puts those logs on, he should be chayev. But you have to put the limbs on. Really, the service of burning is to put the limbs of the karbanot onto the pyre on the Mizbeach. So Rabbi Yochanan did say that a non-Kohen who puts on those two blocks of firewood, he is chayev misa. That that has to be done with a Kohen, even though it's just firewood. Actually, saw in Zavachim a really... An amazing Gemara. If somebody brings a carbon eitzim to the Mizbeach, somebody brings a carbon of firewood to the Mizbeach, he has to bring firewood to burn his firewood. And it also needs a dash of salt because he's bringing a carbon of firewood, so you need a cone to put it on, but even your firewood needs firewood. So even your offerings need a little offering. Sometimes this is why we say Hashem's Fatah Even our prayers need a little prayer to get them, to get them off the ground here. So we see that a hadlachet nerot, machlokit, but uh, putting wood on the on the mizbeach for the fire, Rabbi Yochanan says chayef. Baha pligi marsevar avoda tamahi. Rabbi Yochanan says it's avoda tama. It's a final stage of avoda. Marsevar love avoda tamahi. And the other one says no, it's not avoda tama. Just it's just putting on wood, but putting on the limbs afterward would be chayev for a non kohen who did that. Tani kavase de rav, tani kavase de levi. Now remember, rav says that. Um, the Chotzah Sedeshin, Shuma Sedeshin, is not an avoda for a czar to be a of Misa. A czar can't do it, but he's not a of Misa, but they should mind for doing it. Tani Kavase Derav, avoda shazar Chayev Aleha Mita. These are the avodot that a non-Kohen is a of Misa, but they should mind. Zrikat Dam, Bein Lifnim, the throwing of the blood, whether it's inside, Bein Lifnaiv Lifnim, or it's Lifnaiv Lifnim in the Kodesh Kodashim. So there was a Zrika done in the Heichal, on the Mizbeach. There's also Zrika done inside, either on the Aron or the Parochas, we mentioned the Parochas, that Bar Yochai saw in Rome, would be there. Or someone sprinkles blood of a Chatata Of, remember they did Malika to Chatata Of, the Kohen would um, uh, use his thumbnail and to make an incision in the neck there, and then they would sprinkle the bird, they're holding the bird, and sprinkle the blood onto the Mizbech there. But an Olat Of is a little different. After they did the milika to slaughter the bird, they would actually squish it onto the mizbeach to get the dam up by squishing the olat of. Menasech, for someone who does nisach, of how much? Shlosha lugin mayim, three log of mayim on sukkis, shlosha lugin yayin, or three log of, y- of wine any day. Tani kivase delevi. So those ones are, this, this Bryce supports Rav. It does not list trumas deshen, otzas All of these things are a final stage in the avoda. So remember, the blood is what brings the kapara. So the blood application is what actually finishes the job. So by Tani Kivasi de Levi, there's also Brysa supporting Levi. Avodot Shazar Chayev Alehem These are the avodot where a non-Kohen is Chayev Mita, if he does it. Hameirim et Adeshen. There it is. Harama Tadeshen. Shuma Tadeshen. There's this word Meirim, lifting up the Deshen. And it's even a Kometzvah. V'sheva Hazar Shevifnim. And the seven sprinklings inside for the Chatalt Pnimiot. Sheba Metzora, or sprinkling for the Metzora. Hamale Al Gabea Mizbeach. Uh, or someone who brings up onto the Mizbeach uh, items to burn, Bain Davar Kasher, Bain Davar Pussel. We talked a lot about, in, back in Zvachim, about Piggle versus Pussel, and if you brought something up to the Mizbeach, there were certain things that were Pussel, but they weren't so Pussel. Remember, Piggle was like way out. Piggle, no way. You're not going to bring that on the Mizbeach. But certain things were Pussel. It was Chutz it Lizman, not Chutz Lizmakum, certain uh, stringencies where if you brought it up, you could leave it there to burn, even though you shouldn't have brought it up, but once you brought it up, eh, we're not going to take it down, we're going to let the Mizbeach consume it. That's a whole sugya in Zavachim, 
but he's saying that bringing something up is the final stage of Navoda, bringing it up on the Mizrach to burn, so that would be a problem for Azar. But we saw here Haramas, there's a Brisa supporting Levi also, Haramas Adeshin, Trumas Adeshin would be Chayev Mita. So that's, even though it sounds like taking out the trash. So on both sides, we have a big Zuchus, we get to take out the trash at home, and Bar Hashem, we should be reminded of Chotzas Adeshin. We'll go a little further, a little more time. Good. The Tudas, Lama Mephisin, why do we draw lots? Why do we draw lots? Like we told you, we told you about this. The Mishnah told you there was a Misa during the foot race where somebody broke his leg. You know, he got pushed and broke his leg. And that's a reason to draw lots. And then yesterday we saw there was, God forbid, there was a bloodshed. There was killing. Remember King Menashe, Rabbi Silver described yesterday, King Menashe had murdered so many people that bloodshed was kalbe'enav. It wasn't such a big deal when someone died. They were more concerned about the knife. The father of the kid who got stabbed was more concerned about the knife becoming Tame. He says, go ahead, pull out the knife, even though his son might die faster, because he wants the knife to be Tahar. He's more concerned about that than the actual bloodshed, because Menasha had you know, gotten everybody used to it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a muster for us. If we're out in the modern workplace, modern society, there's all sorts of messages out there, and we can get used to them. If we're, we need to understand that our message is right here in the Dafyomi. Our message is right here in the Chumash. Our message is not in the mainstream media. Our message is not anywhere else except in Torah and Mitzvot. That's our real message. Otherwise, we're going to get influenced by outside uh, forces because you, know, you can get used to anything, as Rabbi Silver said yesterday. So that was Menashe. So that's it. So that's good. So that's, that's Hadamaran. That's, that's why we draw lots. We draw lots because the, the races became a problem, became dangerous. Why do we draw lots and draw lots again? Rashi points out, and we're going to see four times. It wasn't just once in the morning. It was four times throughout the day. They would draw lots for the different avodot. So why do you go back and you do it four different times? To get feeling. To have energy and emotion in all of the azarah. Like there's a pasuk that tells us that we're supposed to be emotional. Asher yachdav that together namtik sod bevesa lekenu lechalach borogish that we're going to go and we're going to come into the the base elokim we're going to come into the temple and we're going to go berogish rogish is lashon hergish is feeling emotion so it's supposed to be done with emotion we're supposed to go into the shul with emotion now baruch shem it's a lot easier now that we have the coffee back it's much easier to come into the building with emotion. It's very good, but you see that we went into the temple with hergish. So drawing lots, it's exciting, Rabosa. It's, you know, this is a makor for Simcha's Torah, for auctioning off kibudim, auctioning off, uh, you know, hakafos, things like this. It's with hergish. It's exciting. People are bidding. People are excited. People are selecting. Or, you know, you're looking forward to what kibud you're going to get or what you want to do. So it's something to do with excitement when you come in to do an, do an avodash. Namar, all right, we read the puzzle. Good. In what do they draw lots? So they would draw lots four times a day. What were they wearing? Rav Nachman Amar, Big Day Chol. Rav Nachman says their weekday suit. They weren't wearing the Big Day Kahuna yet. Rav Sheshis Amar, Big Day Kodesh. Rav Sheshis, no, they were wearing the Big Day Kahuna. Rav Nachman Amar, Big Day Chol. Why would we want them not wearing their Big Day Kahuna? If they're already wearing their Begadim and they're ready to go, they're already washed and dressed and ready, there will be the masters of arms, the, the strong-armed guys, we call them in English. You know, the the Hamse, they're going to force their way in. They're already dressed and ready to go. They didn't win the lottery, but they really want to do it, and they're going to run up and do it. We saw already the Kohanim are going to run up and do the Avodah if we let them. So here, too, the guys who are so strong and are a little more aggressive, a little more Zaris in, a, in an aggressive way, they're going to run up and do the Avodah if they're already dressed. Rav Sheshis says, no, they should still wear Big Day Kodesh, even though that's a possibility. 
to e amrad big if they're wearing regular clothing, non kohanic clothing, agav habivusei. It's because the one who wins the lottery is going. He loves the the mitzvah. He loves this this avod he has to do. Mikru avde. He's going to go up and do it right now, even wearing his weekday clothing. So we see these two competing factors that we shouldn't wear the big day kahuna because somebody who's a loses the lottery, might push his way in and do the avoda right now before the guy who actually is supposed to do it can get up there and do it. So if they're already ready, there's a danger that someone's going to be zaris in a sort of aggressive, assertive, not recommended manner. And then the other factor is we should wear the big kahuna because the kahani merzrizim, and he's going to want to do, the, do it right now. He's going to do, I've selected for the avoda, I've selected for the truma session. Oh, beautiful. He's going to run up without changing his clothes and washing his hands and feet first. So we see that these, there's competing elements of zrizut. Zrizut, of course, is a good mita to have. We talked about mitos. Zrizus is very important. We have to have zrizus in the right places, Rosai. We have to have zrizus, our motivation, to be for chavivuse, for chavivuse, for our love of Torah and mitzvot. Shkoyach, Rosai.